I think there's a danger that sometimes we want to be prescriptive about what the spirit does. And yet here's Mary, who she's kind of like, you know, is she thinking, oh, I've heard this before. And yet that openness to the spirit doing something new or something different, you know, that doesn't necessarily kind of like fit with our agenda. It was chaotic, it was disruptive, it was messy. It ends up out in the streets somehow, and we don't quite know how. Would I have been comfortable if I had been there? Probably not. But but people went with it, and and it was was powerful. And three thousand people are saved. How amazing is that? Welcome to Calling a City to Life, the podcast from Queens Park Baptist Church here in sunny Glasgow. It is a week later than the last one of these recorded and it is still sunny. <laughs> is the sun still shining though on the good participants of this podcast? Ian, is the sun shining on you? Um, well, I have done everything I can to stop the sun from shining in above me. However, it is getting really warm where I am and that is not a complaint, um, but it is a reality that I'm wrestling with today. Brody, how is the sunshine in your part of Glasgow? I am currently inside. Yesterday I was outside and had so much sun cream on it looked like I poured PVA glue in myself. You were some child Sunday school project for the afternoon. Oh, it was terrible. Tell you what, sun... It, so, recommendations. What's a sun cream that works when you're doing something that means that you sweat because it was running down going in my eyes and stinging like anything <laughs> That is a real struggle. I can relate to that. Mm. Well, Jack is sitting exactly six feet away from me, so I know that the sun is shining on her exactly as in me, which is from indoors. Jack, how are you? I'm good. I'm relating to Brody. If you're a runner and you have to put sun cream, particularly on your face, and as you're running, it comes down your eyes, it's not a good situation. And can I just say, I wasn't running. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that before I did. Excellent. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. This is our second episode this week. As you know, at the start of the week, you can get a recap on the sermon from the previous Sunday. And now we gather here to record a bit more in-depth about what was preached at the weekend. We're gathering this week to talk a bit further about Brodie's sermon. Ian, meanwhile, was away, I think it's fair to say, being a dancing queen somewhere. Well, I was seen at the ABBA Voyage gig in central London on Thursday night. Excellent. Coming to a sermon near you. Yeah, it might be a reference to it coming soon. Oh, excellent. So while you're wondering what earth that reference is going to be, Brody, why don't you give us a 60 second shakedown on this weekend's sermon? Go on, jam everything about Pentecost into 60 seconds. So we long for the power of the spirit that we uh, see described in Acts when the spirit came at Pentecost. But there's something happens prior to that. The disciples need to wait in obedience to Jesus. So this Sunday morning sermon was in thinking about that that pregnant pause, that, that waiting on the Spirit to come in obedience to Jesus. Cool. Now, before we get into the nuts and bolts of this, I had a couple of kind of slightly technical questions. So the verses were from Acts 1 and obviously Acts 2. And in Acts 1 verse 12 I think it is there's a reference to a Sabbath day's journey now is somebody able to unpack is the way it's worded it makes it sound like it's the sort of journey you could only do on the Sabbath was it a particular length of journey it's not that they travelled on the Sabbath it's that the journey was a Sabbath day's journey if that makes any sense you need to read the text in verse 12 to see 
Brody, what does all this mean? Don't ask me the details, but yes, you're right. So a Sabbath day journey was a shorter journey that was deemed not to be work. So it was a short journey. So the importance is that on on the Sabbath, as far as I'm concerned, rather than the the, the particularities of the, the length of the journey. Okay, and that leads me on to my second question, which is the day that we call Pentecost, am I right in saying that would have been the equivalent of the Jewish calendar of the Festival of Weeks. Yes. So that was like the First Fruits Festival. Yeah, which now the Jews would celebrate as the Festival of the Torah. So there's a connection between the Festival of Weeks and Moses receiving the the, the, the law. You would see kind of like at the weekend, if you follow any Jewish leaders on social media, of them talking about the the festival of the Torah. Right, okay. So my final then technical question that this leads on to is in the same way that we know when Christmas is coming and a lot of what we're going to discuss today is about waiting. Was there an expectation when the disciples and others that were with them were told to wait that it was likely that what they were waiting for was going to happen? on this next appointed festival day after Passover? Like, do you think there was an expectation that, yeah, we're going to need to wait around 50 days or could it have been two days or a year? Is there any clue in the text or in church history as to, that was there expectation? I'm sure there's lots of speculation in church history because <laughs> we like to speculate <laughs> things. I don't know that there's a particular clue in the text that there was some expectation around some divine action with regards to this. Obviously, I think, do you know what? The the disciples have been in something of a roller coaster ride, haven't they, from things that have happened? Is their faith in a particular robust and high place just now? Possibly is their expectation levels raised, given they have seen and been with and, and fellowshiped with the resurrected Christ? You would think so, wouldn't you? Um, but I'm not sure there's anything particularly in the text that kind of like gives a hint at, do you know what, they knew it was going to happen in this day. There was, yeah, I, I don't, don't know that that's there. Ian, what do you think? Well, I was going to say, I feel like Ian's glad at this point that Richard hasn't asked him this question. <laughs> you still get Abba tunes I'm going just right going, this, this is a completely left field beginning to a podcast Richard it's, it feels like you know end of term exam questions it's the heat even if you not gathered every week there's something left field from Richard that's the thing yeah, that we can yeah, expect it, is something left field job. from Richard it's totally unpredictable there is nothing in prophetic history that prepares you for the number of questions that will come in a certain period of weeks <laughs> oh, good stuff to be fair i will say richard i do think there's an interesting point there because <laughs> i the do <laughs> well no several but about the waiting i do think there I, I do think there's potential for an interesting answer but i appreciate that we don't necessarily know what it is <laughs> i'll move us along swiftly shall i <laughs> yeah go for it <laughs> so without wishing to hijack the main topic of the day well, Ian's desperate for you to do it after my goal. Uh, Brody, I really appreciated that you referenced that these instructions to wait were for everyone. And obviously I'm a woman and you were referencing that women were active in what was going on in the church at that point. 
So my reflection is this. If we don't feel disqualified by gender, in how many other ways are we disqualifying ourselves from receiving the Holy Spirit? Oh, there you go. You're, you're wishing for my easy question now. Yeah, I'm wishing for your easy <laughs> question. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think probably lots of different ways without trying to get in each other's heads. And I'm not sure that that's a very good project to try and undertake. I wonder whether, as well as, you know, that internal monologue that perhaps we have of, oh, God can't use me because of ABC, because of, say, our history or, or something that we did that week or said that week, of, do you know what, the Bible's full of God using very flawed characters, um, and I think, you know, when we, we pay attention to the, the starting place and the flawedness even in the process of people that God is using, it gives us all hope. I wonder as well, kind of like we've, I think we've probably touched on this before, of it's very easy for us to enter into a place of judgment, isn't it, on each other and think, oh, God couldn't use such and such or God couldn't use that church down the road kind of thing. And to to not slip into that, I think, is, is a big or an important task for us, isn't it, of that place of judgment. And, but to have that openness and expectation. I mean, I come back to to kind of like that, you know, discipleship is obedience, but perhaps discipleship is also expectation or a, a willingness to be used. Discipleship is a willingness to be used. It's that openness to say, God, whatever you ask me to do here, I'm up for it. Um, however you want to use me, I'm up for it. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Yeah, maybe just kind of flipping it around that I think sometimes we have particular expectations of how the Holy Spirit works. Um, and that can take, you know, one extreme or another. It must be the Holy Spirit because it's very disruptive or it must be the Holy Spirit because it's very quiet. And you, know, you end up disqualifying not maybe yourself necessarily, but maybe disqualifying a particular situation or uh, event from being the mechanism that, that God actually um, would use. Um, so, I, and I think we might even, you know, project something of that onto the Pentecost event as well and say that this is, you know, God can only work like this. But actually, I think we have to step back and have a level of openness that the spirit's character function and way of operation is is much larger than the kind of narrow confines of of our experience um and god's creative as well and god likes to do the same thing in all sorts of different ways so i think there's that side to it as well not just we disqualify ourselves but you know we have particular parameters for how we expect or allow god to work Before I ask my next question, I will say that I did write this out because I wanted my thinking to be clear. <laughs> so don't panic about the question. <laughs> but I do feel like I'm being quite brave in asking it. So, you know, be kind to me. Brody, you referenced the language used in Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. As being almost identical to the language used when Gabriel appears to Mary in Luke 1. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now, I'm a big fan of the Bible Project podcast, and Tim Mackey talks a lot about biblical hyperlinks, essentially when one part of the Bible is giving a nod to another and that we should go and look at as to why. So here's my bold question. 
if the use of the language in Luke 1 announces the soon arrival of Jesus, salvation for all mankind, and Acts 1 announces the Holy Spirit, the power by which we will be witnesses to the whole earth, as a church, do we focus too much on Jesus without understanding that the arrival of the Holy Spirit is just as important and that Pentecost should be celebrated as significantly in the Christian calendar as Christmas is? Oh, that's a good question. Again, you're wishing for when I was asking simple questions, you know? Yeah, there's a life lesson there, Richard, isn't there? <laughs> I can only answer that from my perspective in, in one sense. So I grew up in a church of, we didn't, we didn't do Christmas hugely. We didn't do Easter hugely because every Sunday was Easter in some respects. And I can't remember celebrating Pentecost because there was that celebration of the Spirit every Sunday in some respects of that expectation of the Spirit moving. I think the answer lies somewhere of, do you know what, we need to be more thoroughly Trinitarian rather than focusing on one over the other. And yet there is something about, I mean, there's some kind of like theologians talk about the shy spirit of the, the spirit in many respects isn't looking for the limelight. Uh, the spirit is is pointing to the father, pointing to what the, the, the son is, is doing. And yet that speaks of something of the character of God in the round. Yeah, I can remember that again as I keep referring back to my teenage years. It must be in some sort of, kind of like nostalgic trip of, of you know, as, as a teenager he, hearing about, you know, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself upon anyone. And of, of something of God's non-coercive power that doesn't overwhelm us in a way that is violent or does violence to us, but in a way that... God comes upon us when we are open to him. So I think, yeah, definitely having a greater openness to the Spirit, but within that Trinitarian framework would be, be where we'd want to kind of like push to push towards. And I think certainly, I think in some respects, we, we've been doing something of that. I think, you know, we at QP have been paying in some respects more attention to the church calendar and those those rhythms because otherwise I think we can miss things that are really important because we're, we're caught in a, in a moment rather than that big, big long view that, that reminds us of things that are important that maybe have dropped off our radar a wee bit. Ian has thoughts. I know he does. <laughs> well, I was going to say what he said, and and, and uh, for people to listen to that, I think I mean that was my kind of immediate reaction was really that this is more about being trinitarian, um, mm -hmm. and I guess these moments in the year are a call to us to remember a particular person within the Trinity. But you know we are caught up into the trinitarian life of God, so you know. God is, um, you know, the Father is promoting the Son and the Son is promoting the Spirit and the Spirit is shining the spotlight on the Father and the Son. And uh, I think there is that circulation of life um, that you cannot be really introduced to one person in God without actually encountering all, though I think we can have a level of hesitancy or blockage or, you know, there's understandings that need to be uh, deconstructed so that we can be open to all of that. 
So I think I would just endorse what Brody has said and, um, yeah, that we need to really, I, I guess, intentionally immerse ourselves in the whole Trinitarian life of God. And each of these moments in the church calendar should be um, a provocation to, to do that and to remind us to do that. Great. Well, we're going to switch gears just for a moment and I'm going to do a wee drop in. You're going to hear from one of our supported overseas workers, uh, Patience Marshall, and everything she's doing with with YWAM. She will be at the church this weekend. Uh, But just in case you don't get the chance to go and join her in person, here's a quick five minutes with Patience that I recorded earlier on. Well, we welcome to the show uh, our mission partner. You know her well. Everybody who's familiar and comes along on a Sunday be familiar with Patience Marshall, who works with YWAM in Switzerland. Not necessarily a country you think of sending mission partners to, Patience. So tell us what you're doing in Switzerland. So I work uh, on a training centre base, which their focus is being a learning community reaching the spheres. So it doesn't matter what sphere of society Uh, We want to help disciple and champion, especially young people, but families as well, to take what they know about who God is and make him known in different spheres of society, whether that's uh, education or church or uh, media and communications or even government. And there's lots of different ways that we can spread the knowledge of who we are and who God is and to make him known so then people can actually do what they want to do partnering with God. Excellent. Now you're back in the country for good reason in that you are having a wee soiree, not sure if that's an appropriate mission term, but a wee soiree at Queen's Park this coming weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why don't you give us a taster of what you're going to be talking about for those to encourage people to come and obviously for those who are going to be unable to make it, tell us what you've been up to. So uh, part of my focus this year is on finishing writing my book which is to help young leaders develop their relationship with God. So I'll give an update on where I'm at with that. And then also just some other things that I'm doing with YWAM Burtony, which is the main centre that I'm with and also how I'm helping my local church there. And it's also a great chance to ask uh, any questions that anyone has about what do I do and what my focus is and any other random question they want to ask uh, a missionary or someone that's living by faith abroad this is a great time to come ask those questions and uh, just hear some things that you don't get the quick catch at a coffee break after church. So we go a bit more in depth and then um, we get to hear just how I'm doing and anything that they weren't answered, I'm happy to to share. Email office at qpbc.org and we'll pass those questions along or answer them indeed on the show. You are but a telephone call away. I'm sure we can do this again. So tell us a little bit about the book. First of all, does it have a title? Well, I have a website that has a brand called Who Me A Leader. And this one is being a leader from the inside out. So it's looking at your development of your relationship with God and understanding your identity and character. And as a chapter on what did what do you do when you mess up? You know, because we all mess up or the fact that hurt people hurt people. So get healed up. Let's deal with our things so we don't pass them on. Um, Another chapter is looking at Esther, David and Joshua and the lessons they learned on their journey into leadership. There's a chapter on character because if we develop our character, we're going to be better 
There's also one on our understanding our identity and who we are in Christ. And then the next one is, I'm kind of saying them out of order, but that's fine because you also <laughs> read them out of order. That's the joy of a book. The next one is looking at our unique identity, what makes us different and unique and championing who we are because God made us different and unique and to, to use the gifts that we have to do what he's called us to. Sounds great. Now, they say you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. I'm not sure I agree with that. Do you have cover art already picked? Is that your choice or the publisher's choice? Um, I'm going to publish this one probably myself because to okay. publish traditionally, you have to have a big platform and I just don't have time to create a massive platform. Uh, so I haven't decided totally on it. It may look like uh, a young person that's just like totally shocked, like, who me? Like, are you kidding? <laughs> you want me to lead? Please don't ask me. <laughs> Before you go, for those who aren't going to be able to attend this weekend, how do they find out a bit more about what's going on? So on the and the, the links to the podcast, we'll put a link for that you can click to sign up to get my newsletter, which is every other month. And then if you want to pray for me every month, I send out another little praise and prayer update report in the alternate month. So that's one way you can keep in contact with me. Uh, you can also just cool. email me and say, hey, I want to just get to know you and chat and we can meet up for coffee as well i've got some time this week as opposed to meeting up for coffee in switzerland which is very nice well you know you always could like i hear richard <laughs> that you are coming to geneva sometimes so it's not that far away <laughs> it's not it's not i look forward to that well thank you for joining us check out the show notes on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on for the links to Patience's website and uh, you know subscribe to her newsletter thank you very much for joining us Patience see you again soon bye okay and we're back and I am going to ask a question which is something I'd never noticed before or never thought before that Brody you pointed out that for Mary this was the second time that this had happened to her in a sense, that she was told, wait there, the Holy Spirit's on its way. And it just got me thinking as to whether Mary was sort of standing there going, you know what, the last time I was told that something like this was going to happen, I became pregnant. I have no idea what's going to happen to the 119 of you that are in this room standing with me. But look out, folks, this is going to be interesting. And the fact that it was a woman, Jack touched on it earlier on, who was, if you like, the person in the room with the experience, such as it was, I find quite fascinating. I also find it fascinating, again, had never picked this up before, that this is happening indoors, and then suddenly you're outside. And I think I've got a mental image, and I suspect I'm probably not the only one of the Indiana Jones vintage that thinks of, like... Pentecost as being something out of the first Indiana Jones movie not involving quite as many Nazis at the end but that just thinks of this big outdoor set you know loads of people tongues of fire coming down from heaven whereas actually it was potentially quite intimate at least at first you want to unpack some of that for us Brody? So there's a lot in there to, to unpack isn't there? I think Back to a point kind of like Ian made, but just to emphasise it, because I think it's such an important point of, of, I think there's a danger that sometimes we want to be prescriptive about what the Spirit does 
And yet here's Mary, who she's kind of like, you know, is she thinking, oh, I've heard this before. And yet that openness to the Spirit doing something new or something different, you know, that doesn't necessarily kind of like fit with our agenda. You know, and I think that's one of the key things here, isn't it? Of, of there's a laying down of our agendas that, that God would have his, his way and that the Spirit would have that freedom uh, to, uh, to move and act. The upper room, 120 people, you know, it must be a reasonable sized upper room. I just think it's probably quite smelly, <laughs> you know, is, is, is the reality um, of it. And, you know, as I say, or as I can like try to emphasize in, on, on Sunday of Luke doesn't tell us about this transition, but there is this transition. And I think there's something in that of, you know, the spirit and wanting to, to point people to the Father, point people to what Jesus has, has done is, is the spirit is uh, involved in, in mission. I think it was a, a, a while back, was it pre-COVID? Ian's going to help me here because his memory is better than mine. Yes, it is Ian, of, of Clive Corfield was up. So not the most recent time Clive, Clive Corfield was up, but Clive Corfield was up for something. Um, many of you listening to the podcast will know who Clive is. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit and he said, you know, the Spirit isn't here just to give us a charismatic jacuzzi. And I had to go ask someone, he said, what does he mean by that? Of, you know, a warm, fuzzy experience that makes us feel good. And that can happen. That can, you know, God in his, his grace isn't there to kind of like, you know, God isn't, isn't out to kind of like send us all to places that we don't want to be and ask us to do things we don't want to do. That's not who God is. Occasionally, God does ask us to do stuff that's hard. But this, the Spirit is there to draw people to the Father and, and people who don't know him yet. And that's what Acts 2 is all about. This wasn't a, oh, look, we're having a fantastic time. Let's just let's host this moment and keep it as precious. It was chaotic. It was disruptive. It was messy. It ends up out in the streets somehow, and we don't quite know how. You know, and I think the fact that some folk are saying, are they drunk, describes something of the messiness of this. Would I have been comfortable if I had been there? Probably not. <laughs> I'd be like, I, but, but people went with it and and it was, was powerful and 3,000 people are saved. How amazing is that? So, yeah, I think there's so much going on there that we're... Uh, I forgot your, forgot your original point or question, Richard. That's okay, so did I. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I remembered part of it, Richard. So if I can just jump in, because I think what really strikes me uh, about this story is 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 Mary's posture in the whole story. Um, you know, so that the kind of classic line from um, from Luke that Mary says, where she says, "You know, may it be to me." as the Lord intends. And, and I think that speaks to that open-handedness um, and that uh, freedom just to respond to what God might give and whatever package it might come in. I mean, obviously Luke doesn't record that in Acts, but you wonder if she thought, well, the last time I said this, my life was upturned and it's going to be upturned in a different way. But actually, 
you know, wasn't it wonderful and beautiful what happened the last time? So um, this is the posture that I will have before before God. So I just think it's a really um, helpful position to take up when we think about the Holy Spirit. May it, to, may it be to me as as you intend, Lord. Yeah, and I think that takes us nicely to essentially what was the main point of your talk on Sunday, Brody, was the waiting. And I wonder, as a society who we place so much emphasis on things happening in a speedy way, we no longer post letters, we have email, we want information, we find it instantly. We order groceries online, they arrive at the house two hours later. As a generation, how uncomfortable have we become at waiting? Yeah, I mean, I think we're extremely uncomfortable in waiting. We're extremely uncomfortable in silence and there's lots of things that make us uncomfortable, isn't there? And I think some of that comes from a good place. And I think that's what I was trying to say on 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 Sunday of, do you know what? We're desperate to see God move. We're desperate to see the church, broadly speaking, but you know, for us as QP as well, we're desperate to see people come to faith and, and enter into a journey of discipleship. We see a, a, a need and we want to we want to do something. And therefore it's it's hard to kind of like pause and it's hard sometimes to know well how long do we need to wait? You know, there's that there's that worry of of and we don't want to I can remember um, being in a context where like, like there was an attitude of, do you know what, um, we can't do mission until we've got ourselves sorted. And by that, sorted meant perfect. I thought, well, you're never going to do mission then, are you? And the waiting here isn't that, is it? It's, it's a recognition of, do you know what, we're flawed vessels. And because we're flawed vessels, we need the Holy Spirit. We can't do this in our own strength. But really that, 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 that waiting and that desire, that expectation of the Holy Spirit. And the waiting is part of this obedience, isn't it? It's, it's that waiting for Jesus to say, right, step out the boat, you can walk on the water. So there is that sense of, do you know what? It's not a case of, oh, I've got the power now, I can do it. Of that power sometimes in the Spirit happens as we step out the boat. But it's in that obedience to Jesus saying, right, step out now. Does that make sense? I, I think waiting sort of means a certain thing in our culture as well. It, it means not doing anything until something else happens. Um, and actually, I, I wonder just to what extent that's actually what's going on in in the scripture. Because you're, you're talking about a culture which is agricultural um, and and farmers work hard. It's not that they just wait on something popping up from the soil, but they have to wait. So they have to cooperate with the natural process of, of growth. Whereas, you know, we live in industrial, post-industrial culture where, you know, everything's being automated to make it go faster, quicker, uh, smoother. And our, our culture is about, can things be done just in time? Can we just run this through as quickly as possible? Um, and that's a very different mentality to a mentality which cooperates with the work of God um, and so I, I mean I wonder whether waiting is 
is as much a sign of, of trust and faith as it is a sign of chronological waiting you know, <laughs> waiting until a certain time comes um, and it is a declaration that we will move in cooperation and harmony with God and we will do that which is required at each stage of the process so there'll be a planting stage there'll be a nurturing stage there'll be a harvesting stage um, and, and so it's a cooperation and a trust in an environment of growth that, that God is creating by his spirit so you know, I wonder if it's the waiting is also a bit, it's more like trusting than hanging about waiting for something else to happen. That's interesting because you use the agricultural analogy. And then I'm also thinking about planting and thinking of the preparation required in soil for in soil to prepare for for harvest and thinking of our own responsibility in that sense to respond to an invitation to wait by preparing our hearts or, or, or resolving things, make, allowing transformation in ourselves in sort of a fertile ground kind of way to make way for, to make room for um, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and it's also about trusting in the unseen work, isn't it? Um, the, and the unseen work that we do. So I think my tendency is I like to see the outcome. I like to see the outcome as quickly as possible and forget about the process because this is just where we're going. So why are we waiting around? <laughs> Let's just get to the result. Um, and I think, you know, that's my tendency. So, you know, I think a little bit of a break on that for me is to try and say, well, if if you do the basics and maybe the unseen and you invest in that, then what you see is more fruitful because you've actually done the basic preparatory work and it, then it scales up or it grows. Um, you know, if it's a project and you get the project as good as you can um, before it begins, then actually it can scale up quickly. But if you just kind of throw something together, then it can collapse when the fruitfulness um, starts to appear. So maybe that's part of it as well. And I suppose I wonder then, is it more likely that f for f the church, as, you know, in the world, that the church in the world generally, ha that we have a tendency because people, we like to do things. And I am the first person in that queue, give me activity any day of the week. Um, but I wonder, is it more likely that we don't see the transformation in our neighborhoods that we want to, or the sort of radical revival that we want to see because we aren't doing enough or because we aren't making room for the Holy Spirit enough? I think there's an element in which one sense we can't answer that question because we're not in control. Mm -hmm. And that kind of like almost frames it of if we just do X, Y, Z, then ABC happens. And it's a bit more mysterious than that. For sure, as Ian has just said, you know, it's about that active cooperation with the spirit of and and being obedient and being attentive to what the spirit is doing now. There's also an element of this in which we're in a spiritual battle of are there um, strongholds and uh, other things in which we need to see a breakthrough? Is there repentance individual and corporate in which we need to participate in? Um, and part of that is, I guess, going back to Ian's agricultural analogy, which I think is really helpful of, you know, that preparatory work and that tending work and that sowing work. Again, as I was trying to say on Sunday, of, of waiting very often in the Lord is, is active waiting. So it's not sitting arms folded and having a snooze but it's being attentive and 
participating in what God has asked us to do to do at this point. And just maybe to kind of jump in, one of the things that really kind of tickled me when I listened to Brody was the references to Joel. And yes. if you think about Joel is all about famine and 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 a lack of productivity. So this word that's referred to in um in Acts two is actually a word that comes to people hundreds of years before in a time of famine. Um and they had to wait a long time, I mean several lifetimes before they saw the fulfillment of this this prophecy. So God's timeline is clearly quite different from ours, and you know you can have a a really significant promise of of blessing, but that blessing takes a considerable length of time to to arrive. So there's a whole lot of waiting between Joel and Acts. What happened next after the waiting was there was some activity, and they spoke in tongues in other languages that could be understood by those around them. Is that indicative of anything today? Do we need to be learning the languages of those we come in contact with to better communicate? Not necessarily the actual spoken languages, but the more, I suppose, the cultural languages, because, you know, we can get our mobile phones to translate stuff. To what extent do we need to be be becoming more like the cultures that we're trying to communicate with or understand them or communicate via those mediums whether it be like you know podcasts you know all the world's listening to a podcast we went through lockdown every tom dick and harry was starting a podcast so we start a podcast because that communicates to people where does where does this technique of evangelism if you like that happened for the three thousand? where does that sit today as an example I want to say both yes and no to that, Richard, of because I think there's that there's that danger, isn't there? Of I was going to kind of like just before you asked this, and this this relates of I wonder or I I reflect at times of is there a danger that sometimes in our waiting we we start to become agitated and and whatnot, and we start to do all this stuff and we create so much noise or we get ourselves so busy and so distracted that we don't hear and see what the Spirit is doing. And equally, while I think, yes, we want to be attentive to the cultural moment or moments, probably moments, that we are in and what is going on, but we don't want to reduce what is a work of the Spirit just to mere technique. Sure, there's principles and there's lots of good stuff that we can... uh, a learn and learn from, become attentive to. Um, so I think many of us are out of practices of how to give your testimony in a non-jargony way that Joe that you meet when you buy your bottle of juice from the corner shop would understand or would speak to him. And that, that takes practice, that takes thinking about um, you know, we become so used to like our own insider language that when you can like say to somebody, say, so what does it mean to seek God's glory? What are you actually saying there? Oh, we can like, uh, well, I kind of know what it means, but it's hard to put into words of there's some of that stuff that we need to practice, isn't there? Or or be attentive to or or think about. But at the end of the day, 
I'm not sure that I can argue or convince anybody into the kingdom. That requires a work of the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's back to Ian's word of, of cooperating with what the Spirit is uh, is is doing and, and seeking that cooperation. One of the kind of things that stand out stands out for me is that line that people heard the praise of God being expressed in their own languages. I'm not actually sure if that was a miracle of communication of multiple languages or it was a miracle of interpretation um, where they were, the languages were translated into people's own internal uh, Google Translator or whatever. But I think what's fascinating some is actually the multiplicity of languages and culture. So we already said here that uh, Pentecost tells us that male and female have uh, the same status of and platform value under God and calling um, to him. But this also, um, you, you're now going from a Jewish culture into a multicultural environment at Pentecost where the nations are being blessed and there's a seed being deposited in many different nations here where God is actually um, saying these are people who do not have to become Jews, nor do they have to learn English, nor do they have to adopt my culture. These are people whom God meets in the language of their heart, in their own culture, and that that is actually God's intention. God's intention is not for everybody to speak English or express some particular colonial culture, but God's intention is to touch the hearts of the nations within the cultures that people you know, have, have existed within and to transform those people and cultures from the inside out. So I, I, I think this is a wonderful expression of the, the extent and the expanse of, of God's invitation to people from all parts and places and cultures and that God is going to do that, translate the message miraculously into people's hearts. So, yes, I agree with, with Brody absolutely that we need to learn to articulate the message in the language of our, our day, but also there's a, a real work of God to cooperate with again, um, whereby God is translating the message into the heart languages of the nations. Excellent. Well, as we draw the show to a close, we ask you just to reach out to us with any of your thoughts and comments. You can email uh, the show, office at qpbc.org. In a couple of weeks' time, there's going to be a Q&A. So do send us in your questions. You can basically ask us anything. You know, what is Ian's favourite ABBA song, for example, would be a valid question. Uh, asking Ian to perform the ABBA song is not a valid no question. So, but do send in your questions for something maybe that you've heard on the show in the past few weeks or or something else related to ideally the Bible. I, you know, it would be good to kind of bookend it somewhere between Genesis and Revelation would be a good source uh, for questions. But as ever, we will finish as we normally do and we will go to spin the wheel. We'll go to Jack first for her final words. Well, my final word is more a final thought and it's really just a personal reflection that really since we've been doing the podcast, I, I just feel such a consistent theme in my own heart or a, a consistent invitation from God to wait. And I think there's also in that an invitation to respond to him in the simple things. And I feel like we can hear the the call to to 
witness to the ends of the earth and feel overwhelmed. And I'm aware for myself recently that actually the small invitations that God gives me are the places where I can go obediently and walk towards him and see where he is taking me and being willing to wait for him in all the places along the way to see and to know that I need the Holy Spirit in all the things that he's wanting to do in me and through me and to be obedient feels like just a continual theme through all the things we've talked about. That's good. Ian? Two words. I don't know if this was Brody's title, but pregnant pause, just the idea of that pause and waiting being the place where God begins to generate the new thing. So love that phrase. And Brody, you preached it, so you get the final word. So one of the, the nice things about the podcast is you get to correct factual errors that you made on Sunday. <laughs> so I spoke about... Corrections corner. Yeah, I, I, I ad-libbed, always a danger, so I ad-libbed slightly about the Niebuhr brothers, and I said Richard H. Niebuhr, but of course it's H. Richard Niebuhr. And the argument they were having wasn't in the 1960s, it was in the 1930s, um, when kind of like Japan um, uh, invaded uh, Manchuria. Um, but just that, the title of H. Richard's um, Essier letter to his brother, and it was, was published in the Christian Century, if anybody wants to know, it wasn't a newspaper, of uh, the grace of doing nothing. And just that kind of like position of total dependence on God. Um, and it's an expectant um, a dependence. So Niebuhr wrote in this letter, a patience that is full of hope based on faith. And, you know, if we're in a pregnant place of pregnant pause, then there's that expectation because it's it's based on hope. It's faith and faith and trust that, that that God is at work and is and is is doing something, and our job is is to get in line to ride the wave of what he's he's doing. But you need to, I guess, if you're a surfer, I've I've surfed in a canoe, but not on a surfboard. Of you need to wait to catch the wave, but you need to catch the wave when it comes. So you need to be ready to go right then when the wave comes, and and that's that would be my kind of like thought of, you know, are, are we ready? Are we expectant? You know, if we're busy paddling before the wave comes, then then, then we won't catch the wave, but, but let's catch the wave when it comes. Great. Well, thank you very much, Brody. Thank you, guys. Thank you, you the good listener, for tuning in. There was no Greek this week, none whatsoever. We expect some Swedish next week, especially as we have some Swedish listeners. So a shout out to all those who are tuning in from overseas. Don't wait. So, you know, just ignore everything that's gone before and don't wait to give us a review online of the podcast and five stars. Do that immediately upon ceasing listening to this. And other than that, thank you very much for joining us. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.